Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. We're going to continue along our theme of having a meaningful workday here by talking about task management. And this is probably going to be a two-parter. So today, we really want to talk about the high-level stuff of task management and ADHD. And the next week, we're going to dive into some nuts and bolts best practices that I have found work really well for the majority of people that I work with as a starting place. Not necessarily an end place, but a place to do that awareness work and figure out what is ultimately going to work for you. So for today, Cam, where are we going to start with this high-level discussion on task management? Mm. Where we're going to start is actually going back to what are you noticing, listener? Just recall a couple episodes ago, been asking these questions, just like that sleep study, noticing what your needs are, what the challenges are. It's the same thing with creating a meaningful workday. As you are reflecting on that, what contributes to a meaningful workday? What gets in the way? And today we're going to really be talking about task management and it's like, it's your plate. How do things get on your plate? How do you manage them once you're on your plate. And we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of that next week. And then how do you, more importantly, get stuff off your plate? This is a thorough dive into task management. And I think that many people, again, will have this kind of destination thinking, preloaded, oh, Cam and Shelly are going to just bail me out here and, and, and just give me the answer of how to manage tasks. Uh, you know us well enough that that's not going to be the case. But we're going to use our process here of understand, own, and translate. And really, when it comes to task management around creating a meaningful day, this is that high-level translating that you have been working towards, listener. That when we talk about things like what matters and time and transition and boundaries, Accountability last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, and agreements, all these different things all come together around getting a good day at work. Because what we have to do is we have to identify what matters, prioritize it, protect it from time invaders and other challenges and distractions, start, stay engaged, don't get distracted and finish to some completion point. Lots of challenges around transitioning, and a lot of things can happen there. And so this is graduate level ADHD work here, taking everything you've learned and bringing it together. But you have these tools. As you've been listening, you're starting to learn this stuff and do this translating in all these different areas. This is where we're integrating. Okay. So as we get started, I want to talk a little bit about motivation. And what we're trying to do here, because we already talked about, you know, that whole notion of I must be accountable for all of my time, that statement and how it doesn't necessarily work. And so if that's not the case, what are we trying to do? We talked about, well, we want to have an impact and we are the author of our impact. We have the responsibility of getting our agenda done. And so how do we do that? And there's some really good neuroscience to back that up. Shelly and I feel that 
what really matters is that time on our add value stuff, the tasks, the roles, the jobs where we're having an impact, we feel good about what we're doing. That's what really matters. And that contributes to a meaningful work day. So that's that. And I want to bring in just some research on motivation because when people, when managers and workers were surveyed about motivation, what's motivating? Managers said, oh, what's motivating is money, status, perks. Pretty much that in that order. Workers were like, no, that was at the bottom of the list. And at the top of the list was a sense of belonging, feeling that you're a part of something. So we've talked about North Star, we've talked about Big Agenda, we've talked about the value of context and how context can be our friend if we're feeling a part of something, or we can create these disaster scenarios and catastrophic situations in our head, and that's a whole different context that derails our efforts. So number one is sense of belonging. Number two is a way forward, seeing a way forward. And number three is autonomy that we feel that we can solve our own dilemmas and our own problems. We're given the opportunity to solve our own dilemmas and challenges. Those are the three that create motivation. So all my clients are always asking me, how do I create motivation, Cam? It's like, this is where we start. And you can see how ADHD will disrupt every single one of these, especially with like when you're facing your day, and you don't have a sense of what that day looks like. I have clients who tell me, you know, I fall into everything. I don't, I don't feel like everything that happens is accidental. And so not having that sense of moving forward and that path, seeing that path, can be unmotivating. And what we need is we need motivation. We need that motivation in order to get started on those things that matter and that are not urgent today, those quadrant two activities. So how's that sounding so far, Shelley? Makes a lot of sense, Cam. And as you named those three things, you kind of saw me over here cringing a little bit because I can certainly see how ADHD disrupts and gets in the way of having those motivational experiences. And so I think an interesting place to start And generally where I like to look first when we talk about task management is looking at what's on your plate and how things get on your plate. Because as you said, many of our clients have that experience of things either happening to them where it's just purely reactionary or there's the other experience of the never ending far too long to-do list with things that just languish, things that just sit. And so in that second scenario, and actually in the first one too, the first one is usually sort of an avoidance of even having a list because of overwhelm. Yeah. What I have noticed time and time again is the lack of decision-making. Let me give you a concrete example here. When I was doing professional organizing and I would work with people on paper, people who had lots of paper piles that were quote-unquote miscellaneous we would go through them, I would ask them, what is this? And they would say, oh, it's an invite to an event, or it's a bill that I've already paid, or it's a recipe that I want to try. Okay, what do you want to do with it? Well, I don't know. 
Let's just set it down. Now, if I would let them do that, we would end up going through the whole pile without ever moving anything forward. Fortunately for me, since I'm an organizer, I'm not going to let them get away with that. We got to make a decision. The same is true with tasks. We often let things enter our task list, whether it's in our head or on a piece of paper, before we've actually decided that we're going to do it, before we've actually, to use your language, Cam, six C's stuff, made a commitment to the thing. And so then we look at this task list of things that we're maybe not super committed to yet, interdispersed with things that are super urgent, interdispersed with things that are Q2 and what really matter to us. And it's hard to distinguish and prioritize. And it's super demotivating because we feel like we're not getting anywhere. Right. And it opens us up to emotional organizing. Yep. It's that just we're having this emotional experience with these things on a list. And we didn't really think about how they got there in the first place. We're just kind of just trying to capture everything. And all this stuff is there. And it's yanking us all over the place emotionally because we really haven't figured out, okay, what is it? What's my part? What's the timeline on it? How is this relevant to other people? We haven't asked those questions and made those decisions. Absolutely. And even more so than that are the things that we put on our list that we're never going to do. And I don't know why it's so hard for us. And I've had this experience too to let go of those things once they've made it on our list. The things that we're just flatly never going to do. It's just never going to happen. Well, no, it's that, you know, I'll say for me, that idea generator, it's sort of like this dynamic of how things can easily come on our list. We just, it's like we're Mother Teresa, you know, just accept, you know, give me your tired and your weary. I don't know the quote. <laughs> I think, totally I think that's the, uh, shoot, almost. I think I that's it. the Statue of Liberty, Kim. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Lady Justice, whoever. It's like, you know, give, you know, come all. It's like, we're just going to, this big fruit basket, we're going to catch all everything. And then we're wondering why we're overwhelmed. It's because we've got this giant hopper that will catch all, and then we're not processing and getting it out. And that we're not thinking that not doing is an option. Yeah. The idea generator is one way. Another way to borrow a Renee Brooks term is failure to guard our yes. Mm. So saying yes to tasks that others ask us to do or to commit to before we've really considered and made a decision about whether or not this is something that we can take on at this time. So, well, we're, we're generating all kinds of content here today. And, and again, this task management is going to just keep giving here. I just got off the phone with a client and she was talking about this sort of dynamic that can happen where we're just doing battle with our ADD. And someone on Twitter was mentioning it too, just like one of the listeners was just sort of noticing, wow, I'm noticing that I tend to really work against myself. And so it's sort of hard to notice the dynamics of how stuff comes onto your plate and how you manage it there and how it comes off when you've got all this craziness going on in your workspace. And a couple of things here, you know, hiding our lack of performance. We will hide our lack of consistent performance. 
we're masking our, I'm going to put in air quotes, right? Our neurotypical shortfalls, masking that, trying to show up. And when we are not able to show up as our authentic self and putting lots of energy into that, well, the nuances of workflow, we're not paying attention there. That's why we're asking you, we asked this two episodes ago, to start noticing this. How do things come on? Do people give you stuff? Is it implicit? Like they give it to you because they don't want it? Are you going and looking for novelty and grabbing stuff like you're in a candy store? And then once it's there, what do you do with it? How do you work with it? We're going to get more into the nuts and bolts next week. But again, a couple things at this high level to pay attention to. So remember last week, we talked about agreements and we started to make those distinctions between internal and external agreements and implicit and explicit. So there's a couple of things we want to just point our attention to before we start to really dig into task management, that there's about a thousand consistent listeners here. And I would imagine that there's about a thousand different permutations of work. How you experience your work is going to be different. And so us trying to say, do it this way, is not going to work for you. Because first of all, you know, what you're doing and where you're trying to do it and that environment, again, all these different things that are swirling around that make your work dynamic. I want to interject specifically on work environment and the people that you work with. Because if those situations are terrible, meaning there is no support and no possibility to get support, there's no supportive environment, there's no supportive people, that's not your fault, number one. I have had so many clients over the years come to me in that place, hoping that I could help them be more successful at work because that's what I do. But when we dive in and really look at it, they find that they need to make a change in order to be successful at work. So if that is what you are feeling, that is something to consider. And because we tend to struggle at work anyway, we often don't see it. It was a surprise to every single client that I've had that conversation with of, I think we need to look at whether or not you can be successful here first. Is that okay? Every time we came to the conclusion that no, I can't, the client was pretty surprised by that because they were taking on the blame for all of the challenges at work. So I think that's important to say first, if you think that might be your situation, step back and try to consider what's really happening here. What is within your ability to control and change and manage and what's not? Well said. You know, and this is lunch counter stuff here. Our clients come and they kind of, they, above the lunch counter is this lumping lumping together everything of, I'm having a problem at work. That's below the lunch counter. I'm not being successful at work. I'm struggling. And what is happening above the lunch counter is this sort of, again, how we make meaning. I'm having a problem at work. It must be my problem. It must be my fault. That's your ADHD kind of supersizing that story right there. So Start to give yourself a little bit of distance. Yes, the ADHD is coming into play. Your choices are likely coming into play, but that's not the entire story. You could be working for someone who is just extremely demanding and kind of 
reflects that internal super expectation mechanism. And again, it's like then trying to be successful is so far-fetched and back to motivation. It's not going to be motivating if the goal line is always being extended out in front of you. So where's the ADD? And that what is your part to own? A part of understand, own, translate is pick your part. This is distinguishing. That's that distinguishing skill that this is part of that high-level translating we talked about. Getting back to what is your add value? For me, it was understanding that Pareto principle of finding my 20% that was going to have 80% impact. And to focus on that, identify it, prioritize it, protect it. Because it's amazing how others will not do that for you. Well, guess what that does? That introduces the possibility of conflict. And we haven't even gone there yet. There's an episode in conflict and conflict resolution. We can either kind of go in and be the bull in the china shop, or we can hold back and hesitate and not put forth our own agenda or put forth our priorities. Oh, you want to run this? Fine. Go ahead. Take the lead. So there's that. And then finally, it's like who you are in your own manifestation of your ADHD. This is sort of the, the final part that we'll bring in at this high level. Recall back, we talked about that there's you know, three presentations of ADHD, where there's the inattentive, there's the impulsive, hyperactive, and then there's a combined type. We like to look at it as there's the high energy doers, and they tend to kind of do without a plan, or kind of jump into their day without any kind of strategic plan. Just go, just get going, light the candle and go. Those are the doers. Then there are the planners, maybe inattentive types, they tend to struggle with activation. And so for those two different types of individuals with ADD, how your day looks to you is very different. And so how you manage your tasks is very different too. But they're both come from the same challenge around these executive functions, pivoting, pausing, shifting. We will get into doer and go, or we'll get into planner and plan, and research, and delay starting because we don't have that switch or mechanism to get into that meaningful work. Cam, I think a metaphor that you often use to describe these two states of being is really helpful in understanding what we're trying to get to here. And that's of a manual car, you know, a five-speed manual car. Being stuck in the planner is being stuck in neutral. And being stuck in the doer is being stuck in fifth gear. What we are trying to help you do, trying to help our clients do, when it comes to task management and time management, is learning how to access the gears between. Because if you've ever driven a manual car, you can't go from neutral to fifth. Unless you are on a really steep decline, you cannot go from neutral to fifth. It just does not work. And vice versa. So how can we start to access some of those gears between so that those of you who excel at planning can turn that planning into doing, and those of you that excel at doing can take that high energy and focus it in the direction you want to focus it in? So I can imagine a sort of a collective breath there, like a, or a gasp of, 
oh my God, you're going to make me into a planner for the doer, for the high energy person. It's like, oh no, you know, don't make me do that. And for the planner, it's like, oh, you know, please don't do that. This is not about wholesale changes. This is about realizing how your work shows up. And then really this kind of diversifying, slight diversification. I want to give two examples. One example is one client who worked in an organization where others could take time, go in and make a meeting. And so, and and actually both of these were sort of, both of these clients were realizing that once they got into their day, there were meetings and one even sort of referred to it as the jet stream. That's that fifth gear. That's just sort of, it's just going meetings and work as it shows up and responding to immediate crises and not crises, but just work as it shows up and he calls it the jet stream. And there it is. It's the stuff that happens every single day. And what's not happening is he's not getting to his stuff. Some of his stuff is in there in that responding, but the creative aspect, the actual building part, the building of content, the building of your product, whatever it is, he wasn't getting to it. One client, people were raiding his time. We're seeing time on his calendar and just taking it for a meeting. And so this goes back to protecting your time. If you want to protect your tasks, we've got to find a way to protect your time. Not all of it. The other client realized, again, he was the the CEO. And so people couldn't take his time. But once he started his day, he felt like he just was pulled into the jet stream. So what he's doing is he just is sort of on his calendar every day, just a little bit, calls it Project X time. Project X. It's on there. No one can take it. But what he's doing is, it's just this, as a, as a doer, he's doing some high-level thinking, high-level planning for just the first one hour of his day. A couple small little completion tasks that are, if he just waits for the end of the day, they'll never get done. But just what can I push forward? What agenda can I push forward in all aspects of his life? It doesn't have to be professional. It's professional and personal. But just to get in a couple, uh, got it done, then he can enter the jet stream knowing he's got a couple things pushed forward. And that's one example. Next week, we're going to get way into some different examples of how people can manage their tasks and time. So when I look at time and task management with ADHD, I look at it as a two-part problem. And what we really talked about today was the part of the problem that is ADHD related. This is the lunch counter stuff. This is awareness and learning about your unique brain wiring and understanding, stepping back and understanding what is happening to you in a day. What is your actual experience in a day? Where do you need to create change? What are you noticing that you maybe haven't noticed before that is preventing you from doing meaningful work? Next week, we're going to look at the other side, which is sort of the functional nuts and bolts stuff. Now, you know, I'm not a tool recommender and that's not what next week is going to be about. What next week is going to be about is getting that endless loop of open tasks that live in our heads out of your head. 
and making some sense of that, which frees up a lot of mental bandwidth and executive function to start doing something with these items. So it's not a tool, but what it is, is it's some exercises that you can do in order to make some bandwidth, make some sense of what is really outstanding, distinguish between the things that I'm committed to and the things that I'm not, and then work from there. And it's really useful whether you're a planner or a doer, because for the doer, it's intended to start giving you methods to plan. And for the planner, it's intended to regulate that impulse to over plan and plan to the nth degree so that you can get to doing. So I'm super stoked to dive into that. But I do want you to recognize before we go into next week that it is a two-part problem. So even with the exercises that we're going to walk into next week that have worked time and time again for the clients that I work with and that I'm so happy to share with you, we have to do our ADHD work too. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's always both. I love that, how you just presented that, Shelly. And I also really appreciate the part about bandwidth. This is taxing our bandwidth. And I think I've mentioned this on here, and if I haven't, I'll mention it again. The acronym T, cup of tea, T-E-A. Time, energy, and attention. These are finite. This is part of your bandwidth. And to start looking at ways to what's pulling at it, what's taking it, and how can you protect it so you can hold on to it and use it for these tasks that are going to make a difference. They're going to give you meaning in your day. Well said, Cam, and I think that's a great place to wrap for today. If you love what we're doing here on the show, there are two big ways in which you can support us. Number one is to leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews help other people find the show. Number two is to become a patron. You can do that by visiting the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the link in the upper right-hand corner, which is the Patreon button. And for $5 a month, not only are you supporting the show, you'll also become a part of our Discord community. And Cam's waving his finger at me because he's got something to add here. I do have something to add. We've reached a milestone, people. This is our 50th episode. Wow, number 50. This is number 50 right here. This is... This is awesome. So we're just taking a moment to acknowledge that. Wow, two um, more and we made it the whole year. We honored it. our commitment of one year of podcast episodes. That's awesome, Cam. Thank you for two pointing more. that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.